What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, as we keep this conference preview series chugging along, today we move to the NEC. And after today, we only have two conferences left, which will be uh, discussed next week, Tuesday and Thursday. We will discuss the Patriot League and the SOCON, as well as the three independents, Utah, Cleveland State, and Robert Morris. That last one, you know, they used to be an NEC squad. And you cannot talk about the NEC this year without talking about there's no Bobby Moe. And so the Colonials, they won the past two conference titles in the NEC. They, they have. They were looking for a third one last year. I think they probably would have gotten that. And, you know, coming into this year, if they would have stayed in the conference, <clears throat> you know, they would have been looking for a third, obviously with last season being cut short, but they're not. And I think a lot, if you're an NEC coach, You've got to be happy that you don't have Robert Morris to to deal with, Um, especially if you're a fringe top three, top five team in the conference. You might have a better better advantage, a better opportunity to get to the conference tournament, which I should mention, we don't really know what the NEC is going to look like. I know they do have their conference schedule out, um, and it starts in March, I believe. Um, but it has not been made public or anything like that yet. Uh, and I don't really know what they're doing non-conference-wise. I think it might vary. Obviously, this is true with every team, but it does vary state to state who you can play and things like that with the protocols. Um, so we'll see what ends up there. But at the end of the day, um, lacrosse, is lacrosse no matter what things look like. Um, and, and this year is going to be a very tough, tough year. And whichever team comes out on top, either I, w- within a conference or on the national stage, is going to be the toughest team mentally and physically. Um, and, 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 and I think right now the toughest team and certainly the most talented team in this conference is the Hobart Statesman. Uh, you look at Greg Raymond and what he is, what he's built at Hobart. I mean, this is a team that you know the the Raymond era is their most successful in D one history. Um, you know they've been pushed to new heights, you know, year in and year out. Um, you know, he's been there six full seasons. They've been to the NEC tournament each of those six seasons. Outside of 2018, and they won their first conference title in 2017, I believe it was. Um, when they won that conference title, uh, was it 2017 or 16? It was one of those two years, I believe. Um, I might have the years mixed up. I, I've said before, I'm not good at dates and things like that, terrible. Um, unless I have it pulled up in front of me, I do not have the Hobart Lacrosse Wikipedia page up in front of me. Um, and you know, coming into this year, 
this is a team that, you know, and, and we saw this last year. We we knew this coming into last year. Um, you know, they had a really good offense. They've had a really good offense um, during the Raymond era, but this offense, I think, was taken to another level last year when Stephen Brundage came in as the offensive coordinator, one of the brightest young minds in college lacrosse. Um, you know, he has, I don't want to say revitalized this offense because it was already pretty dang good, but some of the things they run there, you know, I've watched that Syracuse Hobart game probably 10, 15 times this offseason. Um, and, and just every time I watch it, I'm more and more impressed with the Hobart offense. And, and you know, thinking back to that game, you had two of the brightest offensive minds on both on on the sidelines, <clears throat> excuse me, for each team. Pat March with Syracuse, Stephen Brundage with Hobart. And this offense, you know, they will take a bit of a step back in 2021 because they do lose Eric Holden and they do lose Justin Scott. Uh, Scott is kind of a converted attackman to mid, uh, midfielder type role. I I would assume him, I talked about him with Delaware because that's where he is now. I think he'll probably play a little bit more midfield at Delaware. Eric Holden, attackman, led them in points last year, uh, 20 goals, 8 assists. He is at Maryland. Uh, I think, you know, I would imagine they maybe bump him down to midfield or keep him out of attack. I don't know. Um, and with Jared Bonehart coming back, we'll see what he does um, there with the Topes. I think he should be a good player for them. But in terms of who's coming, so they lose those two guys, which are huge losses. But in terms of who's coming back, they've got some pretty talented guys on this offense. Jason Knox, attackman, uh, 18 goals, 3 assists. He is their shooter. He is their shooter. Like, they, the way they run this offense, and, and you, I go back to that Syracuse game because that's, I've watched it so many times. They try to get Jason Knox some shots kind of on the elbow there. Uh, you know, the elbow in basketball, kind of that area of the field. Um, and, and, like, he can just sling it. I think he had 10 goals in one game. Um, it, I don't think it was last year. It might have been 2019. Uh, but I know he did have 10 goals in the game, and he's done that multiple times. It, it's just absolutely ridiculous, um, you know, his shooting ability and what he's able to do. So he's he's the biggest returner. And then you also have Ryan Archer at attack. I think he should uh, – he had seven goals, 11 assists last season as a junior. I think this year as a senior uh, should be even better. Um, and, and so those two guys alone, you know, make this offense very, very good and very efficient. Um, and then you also have John, uh, I know I'm going to mispronounce his name, Holothi, Holohai. Um, again, I'm bad with pronunciations, but he was a freshman last year at the midfield spot. Should be the top midfielder, um, as well as Derek Madonna who I've been impressed with through his um, career with the Statesmen, um, you know, through his first two seasons 
uh, coming in as a junior. He had nine points, seven goals, two assists last year. And so they've just got all these, all these, all these guys everywhere. Um, and then you look at all these, some of these younger dudes, um, a Troy Bartholomew, uh, who, what is he? The kid's like six foot seven <laughs> playing the attack. Um, you got dudes like that, that just can play all over the field. I think this offense is going to be very, very good, despite losing Holden and Scott, who are were two huge pieces of that offense last season. Now, the 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 defense I'm worried about. Like this is the one area for this Hobart team that I'm skeptical of is their defense. Um, they lose Samuel Casey in cage. Uh, he graduated is playing playing pro uh, lacrosse. Uh, I think he played in a few games in the MLL this summer in the bubble. And so you obviously those th- th- there's that. There's that where you have to replace the goalie. And you know, it, it can be e- you know, sometimes it's a seamless transition, sometimes it's not. Um and I, I just I, I'm not I don't know what that will look like essentially. Um they do return their entire starting close defense headlined by PJ Delpha who's coming back for a fifth season, who has, has been their top pole for quite a while. Um, Michael Christensen is coming back as well, who was a uh, junior last season. And then Kyle Nalen, who was, uh, you know, last year shined as a freshman um, during that, that shortened 2020 season. And so... I think this close defense is pretty solid. Um, Nalen and Christensen, I'm not 100% sure what we're going to see out of them, but I do have a lot of confidence in P.J. Delpha and what he's been able to do thus far. So there are questions on on the back end, um, especially in cage, especially in cage. So we'll see what happens there. Um, they do have returned two goalies, CJ White. Uh, he started in the first three games of the 2019 season. I would probably, you know, just looking statistics wise, would put him as, as the starter um, right now. Kevin Holtby uh, played in two games last season, and then they also have two freshmen coming in um, that could get some time as well. So we'll see what happens there. Um, another, you know, uh, another place where, you know, we will see Hobart not take a step back, uh, or not take a step back, but they did, I think, take a bit of a step back last season and to no fault of their own. Matthew Pettacini was a dominant, dominant force at the faceoff dot. Um, but Adam Shea and Drew Blanchard, solid one-two punch there last season, going over 50% uh, each last season with at least 83 draws in five games. One of those two guys is going to get that starting nod at the dot, and they're pretty solid guys there. So this is a Hobart team that front to back, I love. I think they're going to win the NEC. I, I think they are 
not head and shoulders above the rest, but they're definitely sitting out there in front. Now, the team, and this, so they're my favorite right now. The second team for me, and I think for a lot of people, is St. Joseph's. Um, the Hawks, they obviously, they lose Mike Adler and Cage, which is a big, big loss for them. Um, but when you look around, they have, and I don't think I realize this, especially on offense, they have some really young dudes that balled out last season. Like Levi Anderson, uh, 15 goals, 9 assists, was a freshman. Matt Bomer, uh, 14 goals, 6 assists, was a freshman. Those are the top two attackmen, top two point getters last season. Matt Tufano was a, a junior last season. He had seven goals, 10 assists. And then you look down at the midfield, the top two midfielders, Evan Campbell, Austin uh, Strazula, believe how you pronounce that, both juniors. So you have a lot of dudes coming back that really stepped up last season that can make this offense run very, very well. And this is an offense that hasn't been, no, the offense has not been um, one that people look at and say, that is a, a, a stellar offense, that is an offense, that is a top tier one. I still don't think that's the case. Certainly when you look Hobart versus St. Joe's, Hobart will win every time in the offensive category. Um, but this is a pretty solid, a young-ish group, as I would say. Um, that they were turning on, on on offense. And then Zach Cole. Uh, Zach Cole was a sophomore last year. Um, absolute stud at the faceoff dot. Absolute stud. He went, let me find this stat real quick. He went 75% um, last season. And he's been dominant ever since he stepped foot on campus. Like, he is right up there with the TD Irwins, the Kyle Gallagher's, and the face-off percentage. Um, and, well, and I mentioned this in, in my preview article, you know, there was a, a a game versus Penn that we didn't get to see. So St. Joe's played Penn last year, but Kyle Gallagher was out with an injury. So we didn't get to see that matchup, and I really wanted to see that matchup. Uh, but we did get to see St. Joe's and Drexel and Jemiah Kota is one of the best face-off guys in the CAA. And um, and we also did get to see him against Gerard Oxaley in Penn State, who is one of the best in the nation. Um, Cole went 57% against Oxaley and 69% against Kota. So that is very, very promising um, for, this, for, for this team. Um, with how successful they've been at the dot. Um, I mentioned offense hasn't really been the focal point that people think about when they think of this team, mostly because of who they have in cage um, with Mike Adler. You know, I would, you know, Zach, uh, Jack Zulo comes in, uh, Notre Dame transfer, started a couple games there. Um, was a highly ranked player coming out of high school. I think he probably gets that start this year. Um, defensively, out in front of the cage, uh, Liam Hare 
Uh, LSM is back for the fifth season. I like his game a lot. And then you also have Tyler Maycall, Joe uh, Basha, and Joe Burnham, who, uh, Josh Basha and Joe Burnham, who are both coming back um, as well. Uh, Basha and Hale uh, and Maycall coming back for fifth seasons. Bonham was a freshman last season. Uh, This is a defense that was pretty, pretty good last year. We'll see how they end up this year, especially with Adler gone. How much of an impact does that have with him not being there? Uh, He's obviously is at Duke now. But I do think with um, the upward trajectory that this offense should have and what they have in Zach Cole at the faceoff dot, this is a team that, you know, I, you know, I do not want to face this team. This is a team that I think can can they're not going to beat the best of them, but they can certainly run with the best of them. They have been, and you know, Taylor Ray has done, uh, and another coach that's done a phenomenal job at building a program. I mean, you talk about, you know, the the um, when he came in in twenty twelve. They had just gone 0 and 12 in 2011, like they were 0 and 12, and they were part of the CAA back then. His first and second seasons, they went six and nine, five and 11. From 0 and 12, that's a pretty dang good improvement, and they've just continued to improve. But one thing they've never done is uh, get to uh, win an NEC title. That certainly, um, you know, they're going to have to go through Hobart. But that's certainly something that I think is attainable this year for St. Joseph's. So Hobart, St. Joe's, my top two um, contenders in the NEC. I do, and I know a lot of teams I just kind of anecdotally say some stuff about, but I do want to mention two teams in particular that I think are going to make a, a, a good run. Uh, Bryant. You know, Marco Rourke is back for his senior season. Uh, Logan McGovern was a freshman last year, had an absolute stellar season. And they have some other younger dudes as well. Kevin Groninger, Austin Kent should step up um, this year. And Bryant, they haven't really been, you know, Mike Pressler, obviously great coach. But they haven't really, they've had two down seasons. I think this is certainly a year that they could um, step up. Um, they also return a heap of talent on the back end. Uh, Dante Pasquale. Uh, that That's not the correct pronunciation, but again, I'm bad at that. Apologize. Um, senior Ryan Baker as well, and Luke uh, Carlosillo um, in cage. So we'll see how this defense looks. I've always been a fan of O'Rourke on offense um, and what he's brought ever since he stepped on campus. And this is a team that, with him, his senior year, you know, this is kind of his, if he comes back or not, you know, we don't know what dudes are coming back next year. But, um, you know, with him and McGovern back uh, as a sophomore, like this is a team that is pretty formidable um, in multiple spots. And like they were, they weren't too far off last year. Um, they were, they lost to UNC eighteen to sixteen, which is not bad at all. Lose to Dartmouth eleven to eight, 
Providence 16 to 9 was their worst loss. Bucknell 11 to 9. So this is a team that returns a lot of talent on both ends. wasn't wasn't too shabby last year. I think can certainly turn things around here in 2021. Um, Mount St. Mary's is another team where you know they do return some dudes. Uh, Brendan McCarthy had 22 points last year. Uh, Luke Frankeny uh, had 16 points. Both those guys come back. McCarthy for the fifth season. And then also Kelly Guin um, had 14 goals last year. Uh, the top shooter. Uh, and those three dudes are at the midfield spot. And so when you look at what this offense has been, and then we do know um, that you know this team, like the 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 image I st- sticks in my head, I think for a lot of people is they almost beat Johns Hopkins. They almost beat Johns Hopkins, and no matter how down Johns Hopkins was, that would have been a pretty dang good, um, pretty dang good upset, pretty historic upset. Um, Joe Bethecki and Matt Haggerty uh, will also be returning for the fifth season as well. Uh, Bethecki, uh, attackman, Haggerty, a midfielder. And then there's a ton of younger dudes that come back as well. And this is an offense that I really, really like. Um, they also returned two of the top three starting defensemen, Brian McIntosh and Josh Davies, as well as LSM Stephen Schmidt and Noah Daniels. So we'll see how things go this year. Um, Dylan Phoneback. You know, I'm not a big fan of this Mount St. Mary's defense in front of the cage, but Dylan Phoneback was the defensive player of the year in 2019 and is back um, for his, let's be, his senior season. So uh, we'll see if he can replicate that 2019 which I think a lot of people are looking for Mount St. Mary's to do across the board. Um, next couple teams do want to talk about here are the final four um, here. Uh, kind of the bottom four, bottom three, whatever you want to say. Um, Merrimack. So Merrimack, they lose Charlie Botrond. They can't play in the postseason. I'm not, again, I'll be honest, like, like, I do like some of the guys they have coming back. Christian Thomas on attack, Sean Black are outstanding players. But I don't, and Drew Haley played very well as well um, at, at the midfield last year. And look, like I, I just don't know what we're going to get from this team. I just don't know what to expect. Um, I, I, I do not know what to expect. Um, they do get a Bentley a D2 Bentley grad transfer, Matt Brooks, which I'm looking to see, okay, what can he do on this offense? But overall, I just don't know what to expect um, from Merrimack with Charlie Botron gone and all of that. Now, LIU is that second team uh, that made that D1 jump uh, with Merrimack last season. <clears throat> You know, I've said that I am a believer in LIU just because of the young dudes they had last year. Um, When when you talk about, you know, Will Mark uh, had a solid season. 
as a freshman. You know, this is a team that went one and six. Um, you also had Richie Lacandra, who had 28 points, 11 goals, 17 assists as a freshman. And then you did have some, have some veteran presence there as well on offense and on the back end. But these freshmen really stuck uh, stuck out a lot of times. And this is a team, again, just like I mentioned with Bryant and, and, and with Merrimack as well, you could say the same, is they weren't that far off in their losses at all. Like, they were not that far off um, in a lot of them. Like, they lost 14-10 to against UMass. UMass. It's a really good team. And UMass had just beaten Albany 17-12 to in a very good game um, the, the week prior. And, and, and that was, what, two weeks removed from them upsetting Yale. Um, I mean, so this is a good, like, they played hard. Um, you know, Eric Wolf has, has got them moving in the right direction at the D1 level. We'll see what happens here in 2021. Again, like, you know, I do think, I, I have mentioned them as a team that is a bounce-back team, can really turn things around. What I mean by that is not like, oh, they're going to go make the NEC tournament, uh, assuming they're not going to let everybody make it, um, like the CAA. But, you know, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is they're going to turn things around. They're going to be a good team. In the win-loss record is, you know, instead of one and six, it'll be, you know, six and it'll be three and three, or, um, you know, five and three, or whatever. Like, like it'll be better at that point, um, depending on what the schedule looks like and how many games they play. The last two teams I want to talk about here: Sacred Heart and Wagner. Um, no, Sacred Heart, this is a team where offense is kind of, uh, has been running, has been the highlight, and should be the highlight again this year. Um, Drew Edwards, Logan, uh, Leishberg, uh, I believe how you pronounce that, um, other top two guys on attack, as well as Jack Walsh. All three of them dudes are saw uh, seniors, and so we'll see what happens with that, with that kind of veteran leadership, uh, leadership I should say, a veteran laden squad. Um, you know they took a step back last year. They they they, they graduate Max Tuttle and Joe Sagasi. They take a step back. They went one and five. You know. I'm not much of a believer in this team, like how much they can rebound. I certainly think they're much better than a one, two, three win team. Much better than that. And they can get more than that depending on what the schedule looks like. Again, we don't know schedules. No, um, they're not public yet. But I do think this is a team that can certainly make some noise if they want to. Certainly with the offensive firepower that they have. Um, in terms of Wagner, you know, they've been the basement of the NEC for a while. And, you know, I do think, you know, 
uh, even that first year, this will be the third year under Bill McCutcheon. I think they've shown some growth. And this was a very, very young team last year. Jake Garb uh, led the way, 15 points, 11 goals, 4 assists. Steven Dwyer, who I'm a big, big Steven Dwyer fan, um, and what he's been able to do, 12 goals last season. Um, you know, I remember Steven Dwyer, they came uh, to Louisville, Bill McCutcheon's first game as a head coach, Steven Dwyer um, and, and this Wagner team against Bellarmine, and they, hold on, I'm pulling up the stats for this one. He had a really good game. Um, and then that's also when you have Spencer Kaufman and those guys, um, but this is, and, and, and who are now gone, but he, he had a decent game, and I thought he played well in that game. And since then, you know, I've kind of been on the Stephen Dwyer bandwagon, if you will, uh, for what he's been able to do. And uh, just led by him with Jake Garbin there. And then uh, Nick Anacona is coming back as well. He's one of six fifth-year returners on this team alone. Um, Connor Sweeney, defenseman, is the only fifth-year returner on the back end. Um, and then you also have Nick Warren, who served as the primary uh, face-off guy, is back as well. So this is a team that I think is, you know, much like I mentioned with Sacred Heart and, and, and with some of these other lower-level uh, NEC teams, I, I'm skeptical to say, like, what they're going to do because you, you just don't know what the schedule is going to look like. But they could they certainly have enough talent, have enough firepower to – make some noise if they wanted to, and if they, if, if they really, uh, I don't want to say buy-in, because that makes it sound like they're not buying in, but which I, you know, they obviously don't uh, have no evidence of that. But I, I do want to mention, like, if, if, if they, like, they can hit a hot streak, essentially, and they could could make some noise. Like, like the bottom of the NEC, you know, it, it's not so, like, it's not so much that it's bad as much as it is like those teams with talent that can make some noise. And we've seen it happen. Sacred Heart has made some noise. Um, Wagner has has had some really good wins. Um, a team like LIU and Merrimack are still uh, growing as D1 teams. So uh, we'll see what happens there in the NEC, but... Overall, it's a Hobart St. Joe's race, and you know I think Mount St. Mary's Bryant have the most uh, have the you know, most know-it-all, most talent to to compete with those two. But I think there's definitely a gap um, in between Hobart and St. Joe's, and then from that second spot to that third spot, I think there's a gap, and then I think from four four or five to eight, I think there's a uh, a decent size gap, but I, I do think like six, seven, eight is kind of just one glob. <laughs> um, so moving on to this you know, last segment here, my projected order of finish. So number one, I have Hobart. Um, obviously talked about them. Best team, you know, pound for pound on both ends. Number two, I have St. Joseph's. Uh, number three, Mount St. Mary's, and then Bryant. 
five is Merrimack, six LIU, Sacred Heart is seven, and Wagner is eight. Um, that kind of bottom five, six, seven, eight. I, I went back and forth multiple times, flipping LIU and Merrimack, and flipping Wagner and Sacred Heart. I think it's very, very close. Um, as far as what these teams could do um, this season between five and eight. I don't think there's much of a gap. Um, I mentioned that there's a gap between four and eight, certainly. Uh, But I think five, six, seven, and eight, as I mentioned, is just one big kind of glob. I think one team can, 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 can assert themselves in that kind of bottom tier. Uh, but I do think there's enough talent, younger talent as well, on some of these teams uh, to make some kind of run this season. So, guys, that is it for the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. As always, you can uh, subscribe and listen via iTunes, uh, so Apple Podcast, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, multiple other ones that I honestly had no clue existed. Um, leave a five-star review on iTunes. I believe that's the only one you can leave a review on um, if you want. Um, so iTunes, five-star review. You can find us on social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And the website is lacrossebucket.com. Have a great rest of, well, it's Sunday by the time y'all listen to this, so... Have a great week, and uh, we'll be back on Tuesday with some Patriot League talk.